The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Match week number two is here. Good morning and a very warm welcome inside the studio. Rebecca Lowe, Mr Tim Howard, Mr Robbie Musto with me this morning. We're going to get to the team news between Everton and West Brom shortly, but we've got to talk about some big statement signings. Gareth Bale coming back to Tottenham. Just to let you know in the last few minutes, the deal is not off, but they have found a knee injury, Gareth Bale, during his medical. So it is going to, um, going to jeopardise when he can actually play. Probably not now until after the international break, but the deal is still on. Gentlemen, we'll talk Bale in a second, but Robbie Musto, I'm going to start with you because the other <coughs> statement signing over the last 24 hours or so, I don't think I've ever seen you so excited, wow. actually, about a signing. Thiago yeah. to Liverpool. Tell me why you're so excited. Because he's a brilliant footballer. He's a Champions League winner. He's got great experience and he's something, probably the only thing that Liverpool haven't got in their midfield department. When you look at it now, with his ability to pick a pass, to, to maybe break down stubborn defences, packed in defences, he is superb at doing that. He can change the tempo of a game. You know, he can slow things up. He's going to always constantly want the ball. It, it, it's got the potential to really change the way that Liverpool play. And with that brings still an element of, not doubt, but... I've talked about the blend of Liverpool. Those, those front three players need an engine room. Those three, you know, whether it's Wijnaldum, Henderson, Fabinho, whoever it is, to do all the work. He, he isn't quite that guy. He's something different. Does he play as a, as a holding guy in a, in a three midfield? Does he play side by side with a Henderson or a Fabinho like he would at, at Bayern Munich? So mm. there's still questions. But bringing him into this club at this time is massive for Liverpool. Things have been quite quiet in terms, Tim, of the transfers for Liverpool. Yeah. Some of the Liverpool fans are getting a little concerned that they weren't looking to improve. But Thiago and Diego Jota, who apparently is on the way from Wolves for up to $58 million, this now feels like Klopp is doing what he said he was going to yeah. do, which is attack the title as opposed to mm -hmm. defend it. Yeah, it, it needed to be quiet. They, they didn't have to make a bunch of... A bunch of uh, noise in the in the transfer market. I understand your excitement, Musty. They just had to get one or two right. This mm -hmm. team is poised to make another run at the at the at the league title. He is a guy who comes in and adds not only adds the football flair, but he brings a winning pedigree. All he's ever done is win titles, and so just to get that little shot in the arm back back to to an already title winning team who started to get amongst the trophies again, big big signing for them. Really important. Talking of winning pedigree, Gareth Bale, mm. four Champions League titles he won at Real Madrid after leaving Spurs um, seven years ago. Let's talk about his return. Not yet fully done. Mm. Reports are, though, this medical is a little bit of a problem. But when he does return to Spurs, tell me about that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't think you can always go back home. But this is where I, I, I disagree with myself. This, this feels right. Uh, the timing of this feels right. He's... he's 
been superb at Real Madrid. Obviously, there's there's been some uh, not-so-great moments, and, and we know about his golfing exploits, but this feels right for Tottenham. Uh, I don't think Dele Alli will be super excited uh, about his arrival, but their front four, uh, and then you add Gareth Bale to that, who clearly likes to get amongst the goals. His pace and power up the wing will be absolutely outstanding. Uh, Jose Mourinho must be delighted. If you are Dele Alli, what are you thinking? Well, is my future somewhere else? Because mm. that's been the talk that he might have to leave to enable this signing. Um, but I think, you know, if it means that Bale comes in and plays in this team, then that's the way it is. I mean, it seems over the last couple of years, it's been about front threes mm-hmm. in, in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And now when you think Chilmin uh, Son, uh, Harry Kane and Gareth Bale from the right-hand side coming in with that left foot. I mean, it, it's seven years ago, but it still seems like yesterday, Tim, where he came in. I mean, some of the goals Rebecca he scored, wasn't it? Stunning strikes. I mean, this gives everybody at that football club a boost just when they need it. It's starting to feel a little bit not stale under Jose, but not, are they going somewhere? Mm. They're going somewhere now with this guy signing. Um, again, with Thiago, you know, some of the best players in the world continue to want to play in the Premier League. Gareth Bale, one of those handful of players that actually gets you off mm. your seat when he is running down the wing on his way back home to Tottenham. 5-2. Everton fans out there, I know you're getting excited. <laughs> I can feel it. They look different, Tim Howard. They feel different. Is this going to be different? Let's hope so. Let's hope so. They spent the money. Um, you know, they, they've settled in on a manager now who they who they have a lot of confidence in, who they're who they're backing with those signings. And uh, I mean, Jaimez just just looks absolutely phenomenal. You know, he's he's worth the price of admission, and it's exactly what you know when you bring a big player in, not just on big money, but at, but but status as well. You want him to carry himself that way, and he looks the part. You want him to score and create goals, mm-hmm. and that's what he's doing. And it's fantastic to see. Um, there's just there's something different about them, the way that they play. Even going behind the football, you knew it was going to come. And Dominic Cavalier, I'm so happy for him yeah. because last weekend I sort of hinted that maybe in the future they might want a bigger name guy up there to do that part of it because there's no question in this team and in this midfield, he's going to get chances. Yeah. And Richardson's going to get chances. And Richardson was good again from the left-hand side. And I just wondered whether Calvert-Lewin, I know it's very early, could be that guy to take advantage of him more and score the goals. He's doing fantastically well. Mm. From a discipline perspective from West Bromwich Albion today, not just the red cards to their manager, to Kieran Gibbs, but the discipline of, of losing the lead as well. What kind mm. of problems have they faced? This is the problem with, with the red card. It's OK to lose games at times going down fighting. But when you take, when you take five that's going to stick with them a long time. And so it's okay to lose games and come back the next week, but that's, that's deflating for them. Can I just offer two angles for West Brom yeah. today? Diangana and Pereira give them hope. Both scored today, lively in, in that front three. They're, they look like they could do, really do have good seasons defensively. Now, Branislav Ivanovic is going to come into the football club and he may help, but they conceded goals, set-piece goals. They have to be stronger defensively or they've got no chance of staying in the league. Dominic, well done. First of all, for the team, how big was that? Massive. I think it was important that we continued from from last week, and you know, good teams, you know, keep winning. And we wanted to. We didn't start the game that well, to be honest. And I thought, you know, it was a bit shaky, and we it, we took a while to settle in. But once we did, you know, I thought we we showed quality and, and obviously took it forward. And on a personal level, there you are, clutching a match ball, first time in your career. How special is that Premier League hat trick? Very special. You know, I've been working hard to to improve my game and and be more clinical in front of goal and you know it's nice when it comes off and just to be in the right place at the right time it's no coincidence it's what I'm what I'm working hard on you know behind behind on the training ground and for me obviously a, a nice 
a nice landmark to, to have hit, but you know, I'm, I'm not resting here. I want to score more goals. Is it fair to say there were a few poachers finishes in there today? It was, yeah, and you know, someone's got to be in there to put them in, so I'm happy to be the man that's, that's, that's there, and you know, we're creating chances with the quality that we've got in the team now, and for me, it's, it's, a, it's a dream, you know, to have the, the quality that I've, that I've got around me, so I'm, I'm enjoying my football. Yeah, you mentioned that last week when you, when you got your match-winning goal. How, how different a setup is it? How, how more um, the chances are created in this team this season? I think you see, it's, um, you know, a few additions has, has kind of changed the, the dynamic of how we want to play. We've changed the system a little bit and I think that chances are being created, you know, from, from different areas and of the pitch, which makes it difficult for the, for the opposition. So for me, it's, it's just being, I'm an observer of the game a lot of the time, you know, I'm watching play as it, as it goes side to side and forwards and back. So for me, like today, it was just about reading the play and then being in the right position at the right time. It's eight years since Everton have started with two Premier League victories. You've got a foundation. How excited are you to be part of this squad at the moment? I know it's early days. Yeah, I think very excited, you know. With the first two games, they've gone exactly how we wanted them to go. So for me, it's, um, it's been enjoyable to, to play in and obviously to score the goals. But I think, you know, everyone likes to get excited very quick. So we're, we're just keeping it, keeping the, the, the vibe within the team and, and the relationships good. We're all getting along very well and we're enjoying training each day and in, enjoying our football. And I think taking it game by game is what's most important and just trying to build on each week and, and build momentum and, and do what good teams do and, and see out games when we need to see them out and, and punish teams when they get a man sent off like we've done today. What a good start to the season for Everton. And Tim, is this an example of once you get a world-class manager through the door, the domino effect of who he can recruit, Hammers, for example takes you to another level. It's all about getting that manager. Well, he is world-class, and I can take it to another level. I think for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he's a kid who's, who's kind of come through the ranks. He's not a massive name. So for Carlo Angelotti to say, hey, I believe in you. And now, look, we thought maybe that they might bring a striker in to bolster this. But I'll tell you what, Calvert-Lewin's saying, well, all I do is score goals here, so you're going to have to keep me in. And I, I like what he said there about it's, it's changed, things have changed. And, and I, I notice now that the, the ball goes across a lot more than it used to because mm-hmm. it used to come forward very quickly. Now, if he can get used to that and be patient with that and make those runs and get in the centre of that goal when the ball comes in the centre, he's going to get a load of goals. Mm-hmm. He, he should base his game on Harry Kane because mm-hmm. he isn't going to be a, a, a step over and stick it in the top corner, but be a regular goal scorer. Good, in, good at set pieces and, and aerial challenges. He's, he's very strong as well. Be a poacher, be a scorer, and maybe he can make that yeah. number nine job is his whole season. Yeah, he was asked about poacher goals there. Nothing wrong with that at all. Four goals in two games now for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. No doubt Leeds United fans and Marcelo Bielsa are absolutely delighted, Robbie Musto. But also there must be a, a few <laughs> concerns and a few <laughs> moments of the heart beating very fast because of the way they play and the amount of goals they're conceding. But they won the game. They won the game. Um, it's a million miles an hour. It's super frantic. I look at the last, the last minute and the midfield players are still flying out the traps. The subs come on and do exactly the same thing. I looked at the referee, Anthony Taylor. He looked exhausted. He's got to run from one end of the pitch to the other end of the pitch. I mean, it's just... It's actually hard to, to watch Leeds. It's hard to analyse them because they change so much. They, you know, it's a very unusual way of playing. But two games now, Tim, two amazingly crazy games with a ton of goals. They've got three points. And this is going to be the way they're going to do it this season. I mean, and he ain't going to change either manager. This is going to be a fun team to watch. I just wonder about that. I don't think he'll change either. Bielsa seems to really have his ways and his patterns. But if they start getting in some of these, some of these really tough games, and this one shouldn't have been... 
this well, one Liverpool away is tough. Liverpool's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that being open and expensive. Shouldn't be 4-3 against full, not the way they play. Are they going to – do they have a plan B? We always ask that question with mm. teams like this. Sustainable then, moving forward throughout the season. Against everyone, they seem to be playing the same. They ain't going to change, are they, Tim? No, no, but, they, but the good thing is they score goals. Scoring goals is the, is the most impossible thing to do in the Premier League. They do it in, in bunchfuls. So I'm okay with that. You have to figure out a way to, to lock it up at the back. What do Fulham take out of this one? They, they kept going. They kept going. I thought they got, I thought they got brushed aside against Arsenal. There was a fight in them. There was, um, there was a bit more passion. I thought the, I thought the right side um, of the, uh, I thought they were strong down the right side. Got a lot of good crosses in. Um, but again, you can't ship goals. You can't ship three and four goals. Mitrovic, that's what they take mm-hmm. out of it. A couple mm-hmm. of goals. This header goal was a typical Mitrovic goal. Subs that came in and looked good and were effective. They took advantage of the spaces and the opportunities that Leeds give you because that's going to be the same in every game. It's just whether you can use those opportunities mm. to score. They did, but back to the Leeds kind of scoring threat, not enough in this game. Well, Robbie Musto, <laughs> that was bizarre, difficult mm. to explain, oh, interesting, intriguing. Talk Weird. to me about it. Uh, Weird. It was six goals in the second half. I mean, it's like a, it's like a vicious cycle with Southampton. They go behind, they push forward to try and get back. They concede a goal. They, they, they're behind again. They push forward. They concede another goal. It's this, this craziness of a, of a crazy high line where against a team that love to counter-attack and, and struggled in the first half, Rebecca, to get two or three passes together to be able to do that. But in the second half, Lasso was better. The team passed the ball a bit better. But Southampton's high line, Tim, was mm. astonishing, really. Yeah, Benarek and, and Stevens, one needs to go tight to the ball and one needs to drop off. They didn't either. And I think, I think that was coming. We talked about it at halftime. I reckon Jose Mourinho saw that and just said simply, Harry Kane, drop into the hole, get the ball turned, and play. It's such a high line. Use Son's pace to get him behind. It, it, it had to have been a tactic because it was so blatantly obvious. Well, so if Mourinho saw that, surely Ralph Hasenhurst, during the second half, saw then what his team were doing were, were too hard. Why didn't he change That's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing that he, from the touchline, wasn't up there screaming and shouting. There's a way to chase the game. I understand that. Yeah, behind. maybe just There's chasing a, the game. And... It's okay to chase the game, but you still have to have some sort of compactness. At the back. You can't do that. That was, that was horrific. There was times when, when Spurs midfield players had it, and they had, they had a lot of time on the board to look up. You, you don't stay... As defenders, you mm. just got to drop off because they'll just play in behind it sure. over the top. Well, there's two, there's two things, right? If you're going to give time and space in the midfield, drop your line. Drop it's off. okay to have a high line, but you've got to get pressure on the ball. Mm. They didn't either. Mm. Three defeats now, including the League Cup defeat for Southampton in a week. Any panic for you? Big panic. <laughs> the commentators uh, in the game were saying no need to panic. Yeah, it is. A little bit. I mean, not just three defeats. That was a heavy one. And then they, they went out of the League Cup to Blackburn. Yeah. Mm. Worrying times. And the only thing I would say is that we saw this Southampton last year where they look awful. Mm. They, they, go, they lose five or six games on a spin and then they'll find some form and they win four or five. Mm. Very, very streaky. It's just defensively. Jack Stevens now, that's the second weekend, he has floundered mm. in, in central defence. And others players has left the football club in the last couple of years. They need more and better consistent defenders as well as... I mean, they look, they look good first half, but mm. shocking defensively in the second half. There's work to do for Arsenal again. Sadio, you were very much the main man today, involved in everything positive for Liverpool. Did it feel like that for you? Well, <laughs> obviously, uh, I think uh, it was a tough game. To be honest, it was a tough game, especially the first half. We uh, find it very difficult to create chances. And, uh, yeah, I think when we got uh, uh, 
they got red card make us easier and the second half we created also many chances and finally we score two goals i think uh, today uh, we deserve to win in your mind was there any doubt that it was a red card and also how good was the ball from jordan henderson yeah it was um, a great ball from him because yeah great player i know him i know that at that moment he the only choice he have to do is to put the ball and he's very good on it so I try to make the runs and I find the ball in front of me. But uh, when uh, he, he make foul, I knew that it was penalty. Uh, it was red card because I even told him my friend is penalty. It's red card, sorry. And then after the referee gave him gave him red card. So lucky for us. Of course, you made the breakthrough with the header, but the second goal, you just given the ball away and you look really angry with yourself. Is that what gave you motivation to chase in? Yeah, sure. I think uh, this kind of thing is always we. It's what we try on the in the training pitch. So when I got he got the ball, I know it will be difficult for him to to have another option. The only option to do is shoot. So I was front of him and he tried to pass and unlucky for him and make mistakes. So lucky for me and scored a second goal for for my team. Of course, we got a little look at the new boy Thiago. How do you think he settled in for his half? <laughs> uh, I think uh, not only me, all the world know how he's capable to do. He's uh, one of the best players in the world, so we are lucky to have Chaco uh, in our team. And I think today he showed that uh, he's a great player. Great stuff. Well done today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Sadio Mane smiling about Thiago almost as much as Lee Dixon was <laughs> earlier on. Gentlemen, your post-match <laughs> yeah. evaluation, if you will. Yeah, rare smile from Lee Dixon. Um, it's got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> he is a lovely player. We're going to talk about Sadio Mane in a minute. But what, on that evidence, is Thiago going to bring to Liverpool this season? Yeah, I mean, I was eulogising about him because I know what he's all about. We've all seen him play and, and, and I think putting him in that system just as, a, as the playmaker. I mean, it's a little bit false because obviously with the 10 men, but he's, he's, he's got every pass in the book and he's going to get time on the pitch. He won't play all the time. I think he'll be used sparingly, doesn't he? He's got a few injury issues, so that, but he was just sublime today. And it, Christensen spoiled the game today, mm. simple as that. You mm. know, I don't want to put blame on him. He's feeling sad now, but he did. Would have been that, fascinating, that, wouldn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. That, yeah. that game was set up for a brilliant second half, wasn't it, Graham? It was, and, and we talk about mentalities and you would Mane there being interviewed saying that his first reaction when he lost the ball was to go and win it back because they're programmed to do that because that's what's demanded you lose the ball in a training session and the manager screams press press and you get the ball back I think for Christensen and Chelsea particularly defensively I still think they're in danger of being a reactive yeah. pl as players as opposed to anticipating and you say the, f the foul from Christensen it all starts from his position mm -hmm. if he gives Mane 10 yards that way, he can see him, he can't get, if he's too close to him as he was, as soon as Mane reacts, he, he's, he's chasing, he's the wrong side of him and that's the start I think of Chelsea everything. defensively have got a lot of, of issues to sort out. Mm. Reese uh, James got caught on, you know, positionally. They've got a lot of work to do. Frank knows that. That's why he's tried to, to strengthen in that department. Yeah, Thiago Silva to come in, 36 years of age on Tuesday. Gentlemen, safe passage home to you two. And Rebecca, will talk to you again next weekend. Lovely chaps. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Ben Chilwell also, Robbie, to come yeah. in to the back line for Chelsea. But yeah. we talked about their defensive problems last season. They've continued into this. <clears throat> he's got to get that right, hasn't he, if they want to well, be contenders. To be fair, they're a new player 
players coming in for the three guys that made bad errors. We know that Mendy is likely, I know he's not done yet, but likely to come in to replace Kepa. We know that Ben Chir was likely to come in to replace Marcus Alonso, who was OK today, but got caught out for that first goal. Um, and Thiago Silva. And Thiago Silva, uh, where Christensen gets caught by Sadio Mane in behind. So that was issues last season. He knew, he knew that. They've made signings. We're about to make a goalkeeper signing. So he's getting to it. But this is why I, th I thought it was a good time for Liverpool to play Chelsea. Try mm -hmm. Still trying to figure out um, new players, new systems. I thought they were poor last weekend, but they got the result against Brighton. We saw again today they did look a threat. And we, we have talked a lot about Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Um, but, the, you know, it's going to take him a little bit of time to settle in. It doesn't help, Kepper, that the defence in front of him isn't doing its best job. But... I know that's yeah, not an excuse, yeah, yeah. so let's take a little look, shall we, at, at Kepa today? Yeah, there's no excuse. Look, he, it's, about, it's about the defending not being great, but his decision-making is poor. He's never beaten Mo Salah in a foot race there. He gets caught in no man's land, bailed out by the fullback, and again here, just do, doesn't seem to have a ton of confidence with his communication in the back line. And look, this I've been, I've been there. This just goes first time into Rosette. I'm not really sure what he saw there other than a red shirt. Um, I feel for him. I feel for him because as much as we talk about speculation and rumor, he's known his time at the football club is numbered from last year even. Um, and so he's just he's just kind of biding his time now, wait until, wait until he gets his plane ticket out. Well, that's my next question, is plane ticket to where? Where does a player like Kepa, the most expensive goalkeeper in the history of football, go from Chelsea when you've failed? The good thing is, is that he's at Chelsea. He's at a top football club, not only in England, but in the world. And so people like to see the sunnier side of things. There'll be a, there'll be a team abroad, likely Spain, mm -hmm. that says, yeah, we'll get the best out of him because maybe England's a bit of a rough and tumble league. It's not his style, but he's obviously played well in La Liga, so we'll bring him back. Someone's going to take a chance on him. And they know they'll get him on the cheap. I mean, the, the amount of money that Chelsea are going to lose on yes. the field is yes. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're talking way like a, like a quarter, even if that, if it's ninety, yeah. is it ninety three million dollars? Yeah. So, so that's the thing that Chelsea have to, have to take a hit, mm -hmm. um, but they've got to do it to move forward. Mm. What about Liverpool's project? What did you learn about where they are today? Well, they're back at it today. Back at it today. Um, Fabinho, magnificent as a midfield player, going back in there in a game like this against Chelsea, against the pace of Timo Werner. I think the midfield, we know what they're all about. Thiago coming in. We know the dimension he's going to bring to it as well. But, but a lot of talk about Werner and Kai Havertz and all these new players. Sadio Mane, mm -hmm. this game was all about him. He stretched Chelsea in a way that they couldn't handle him, had to bring him down, couldn't match his runs inside the box. He scores a couple of goals, he closes the goalkeeper down. He's such a lovable player because for his productivity and his humbleness. Mm -hmm. He's an absolute star and um, he had a brilliant game today. Yeah, I thought they were back to their, their best. That's what Liverpool does. They press the ball on the front. Ball goes in, gets cleared out. You see their star man, Salah, get his head down, sprint and chase. And I talked about the goalkeeper. When, when they have a little bit of a mess up in the back and give away a penalty, he's always there to bail them out. This stuff didn't happen week one, but they were back to their best. Frank, obviously playing against Liverpool with 10 men is very difficult. Um, the, the red card was all important. Yeah, yeah. I think the, certainly for chances, the first half was very even. They probably had some more ball than us, but we looked really dangerous on the break a couple of times. Red card completely changes the face of the game. It changes the talk that I have to do at half-time. Changes the, makes me have to go into a reshuffle and against a team of such quality. It's always going to be difficult. Always going to be difficult with second half of 10 men. 
Any complaints about the decision? Obviously, VAR took a part in it. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it could be given or not when you consider that Kepa's coming out. I was, if anything, I'm a bit surprised about the fact that it's a yellow card at first glance that gets changed. If it was given as a red straight away and they continue with that, it was somewhere in between. Um, and then in the second half, it becomes really difficult. But obviously, the second goal, you can't ignore the fact that your goalkeeper's made a big error. Yeah, big mistake, um, clear mistake. And then you, when you reflect on the half, you say we 10 men for half a game against Liverpool. Without that mistake and with the penalty, we draw the game 1-1 and actually have a couple of little other little breakaway moments. So I'm actually happier in lots of ways than I was after Brighton on Monday because Brighton was a good three points. An OK performance because we're, we're still pre-season feeling here. Players have enough time to get fit. Today was a game of spirit. It was a game of character in the second half. And lots of individuals showed me loads of good things today. Um, obviously, Kepa has been under a lot of pressure. Edouard Mendy, we think, is coming into Chelsea from Rennes. I'm not sure if that's over the line yet, but it's close. If, if not, perhaps you can tell us. But have you made a decision on Kepa? Is it influenced by what you've seen today? No, and I don't want to say any more about it. Um, can I ask you... Um, in terms of taking on Liverpool here and in that first half, you know, was, were they pushing you back or was it a, a tactical thing? We want to try and soak this up and hit no, on the break? I, I thought we, we could get higher up the pitch. I felt we would have done in the second half with 11 because I, th I felt some of our confidence on the ball and where we moved the ball wasn't quite there as it should be. Maybe it's because it's early days. The players haven't been together that much at all. Liverpool have had more time and they're a team that's been built for a long time as well. So I was concerned about how we would defend our box when you had the threat of Mane and Salah. First half, I thought we were brilliant at doing it. And then we had a little moment. So I was feeling second half we would get higher at the pitch. We could control it more. We would get more chances against their line. Um, just the red card obviously changed the whole course of how the game was going. Final one from me. Um, Rudiger obviously wasn't in the squad today. You, you didn't have it. Tomori did well when he came on, but is there any reason why he wasn't involved? No, every week you'll probably ask me why one of the four stroke five at the minute is not in the squad. All right, thank you, Frank. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers, thank cheers. You. Frank Lampard, a little abrupt, <laughs> not wanting to talk about too many things, especially not Kepri, so I don't want to talk about it anymore when asked whether or not Edouard Mendy was coming in and whether or not he made a decision about Kepri and whether that performance had influenced him. He did call it a big mistake. He mm. did call it a clear mistake. Mm. From that interview, where are we with Kepa and Frank Lampard? The same place. He's backed himself in a corner for the last couple of weeks and he's avoided the question and he said, yeah, Kepa's his number one. Kepa's never been his number one. I know he has to protect him and I know he has to protect the club, but it's the worst kept secret in the world that Mendy's po mm. potentially coming in. But irregardless of that, Kepa's going out. Your reaction? Yeah, I mean, it is. I think, I, think, I think that's it. I think, you know, Mendy is very, very close to signing for the football club. Frank Lampard, almost from day one, maybe with the advice of Petacek, I don't know, uh, thinks that Kepa's not the right guy. This change will, will happen. It will help them defensively um, because Kepa's been pretty much disastrous, really, throughout the, his time at the club. There's other issues as well, um, but the goalkeeper is the main one defensive. They've got to sort out quickly. When you watch Lampard in post-match interviews, he doesn't have to wear his heart on his sleeve with his answers. I mean, he's honest, and that's what we want from managers. We do want to hear what they have to say. He's very emotional. Would yes. that be fair? Yeah, I think so. And we've seen this a few times from him now. And, you know, sometimes even... It was funny, it was against Liverpool, wasn't it, where he reacted with, with Jurgen Klopp. I think Chelsea fans will love that emotion that he's got mm -hmm. and the fire in the belly. Um, but, but as a manager, you, you, and, and I'm sure it's really, really hard. You know, I haven't been a manager mm. at that level, of course. I, 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 but he's got to control that. 
you know, I, I watch millions of managers talk, and for the most part, the experienced ones, the great ones, managed to try and keep a lid on that. And he didn't lose it there, but you can see inside his rage and anger with, with what happened in the match. Must have, but, but he's got to, you know, try and hmm. calm down. I agree with you. I think you've got to give him time, though. Like, yeah. he, was, he was at one time a world-class player, and you can speak to the media differently as a player. Now you're the manager. You've got to be a little bit more tactical. But again, he's only been a manager for... Yeah. Two seasons, yeah. maybe, you know? Yeah. So it's going to take time for him. And it's worth remembering as a player, he did not like speaking to the, <laughs> to the media. I mean, not many players do, do they, Tim? <laughs> True. But as True. a manager, of course, you have to do it a lot, lot more. So maybe that's still something to, to bear in mind. Jürgen, an excellent result on scoreline. What are your thoughts on what brought it about? Super game, to be honest. OK, first half, no goals, but um, really good game from both teams. Um, I thought both we could see the idea of both teams, what they want to do, how we want to build up, how we want to um, develop the game um, face by face and all these kind of things. So I, I liked our game a lot. It's really tricky. Chelsea is a, is a top side. Eh? It's a top side. Maybe not tuned 100% offensively, that's clear, because they have, um, been in these decisive positions, Harvard and, and Werner uh, are on a pitch that might take some time, but even that... Looked really good. They, they changed a bit, brought Kai in the center, um, and so had the runners in behind, Mason around, and all these kind of things. That uh, was really good. That we couldn't prepare for that, obviously, so we had to learn it um, in the game pretty much. We did well. Our own football I liked. Really good good situations, passed through the, the lines and through the organization. That was all good, but we didn't score. And then last situation before halftime, red card. And um, so, yeah, second half was a different game challenging for concentration and stuff like this because it's you know, all human beings and um, mm. um, that's how it is sometimes I think the, I told the boys the, the, the mistake which happened most often in football history is probably that people um, judge a situation like this in the wrong way so and um, we didn't we just kept the ball rolling um, yeah let them run and um, then we scored the goals nice goals yeah concede the penalty I'm sure it was one but it was one because um, he was allowed to shoot and um, Ali saved it and so all good. Everybody was involved. Everybody had a real hand mm. in this result. In particular, what would you say about Fabinho's play? A couple of times, one-on-one, -on -one, when Werner was looking dangerous. Oh, yes. Go on. Uh, Timo is a top player and with, with, with space, it's... I, there's no real football tactic which can defend him when he has the ball. Uh, yeah. But Fabinho obviously is a pretty good challenger and pretty good in one-one situation. Did outstandingly well. So um, we knew that we, that he can play the position, and obviously today enjoyed it a lot. And so it was good, really good performance. If Sadio doesn't score two two goals, I think man of the match contender would have been Fabio. Sadio got both goals. Did you particularly like his second goal? Oh yeah, because he had the hump. Because he just given the ball away. No, I love both goals for different reasons. I love the first one, like how we played it, was just really good, and it not, I know, but nothing to do with 10 or 11 um, opponents because in that area there are always only four, five, six. So, but pass the ball through, then we did that really well. And then what I love, top cross, but what I love is a move from Sadio in front of the opponent. That's why he can score the goal. And the next one, which we, 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 we did that the whole game that we chased the goalkeeper, and there, when you get them the reward. That is especially nice, and um, so I like it. Yeah, I like both goals, of course. You introduced Thiago at half-time. What did you make of the way he fitted in and what he did? 
yeah, top. It was top timing, I would say, that um, in a game like this, um, he looked and he, he trained. He what did he have? Eight days off or whatever. So he, he played with Spain. He trained with Munich already. So he's fit. That's not the main problem. Um, so, but of course, not used to our to our things. That's clear. They played a different system. They played anyway slightly different. That's how it is. That's how football is. So you need to get used to your mates next to you. But then when when it's, when they are one man down, then it was pretty much a perfect game. And Handel felt a little bit um, um, that we had to we had to react, and then we decided to bring him on. And um, yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked the game a lot. So defensively, it was tricky for him because we um, set it up differently. But offensively, with the ball, yeah, that's him. So he he wants to pa- pass the ball. <laughs> I say hello to you and welcome in studio. Ahmed Fareed here to spend the next five and a half hours with you guys. Tim Howard, Robbie Musto. We will talk about the games that we got coming up here, both of them in a little bit, plus look at highlights from this past weekend. But we do start with some of the biggest news going on in the Premier League right now, and it has to do with handballs and what is a handball and what isn't a handball. Let's take a look at the law and exactly what it states. It's an offense if a player deliberately touches the ball with their hand or arm, scores directly from their hand or arm, scores or creates a goal opportunity immediately after the ball is touched there or a teammate's hand or arm or touches the ball with their hand or arm when it's made their body unnaturally bigger or when it's above shoulder level. And, Robbie, we have seen this play out already this season. Yeah, and that bottom bit is what we're talking about. You know, clearly away from the body and naturally bigger. That's the difference this season, and that's why we're going to see a lot more handballs. This one's the first weekend. It's Robin Cope from Leeds United, and I get it. And um, With the new interpretations, yeah, I think that's f- away from his body. It's clearly away from his body. There's a defection there, but that doesn't matter in the laws. His arm is away from his body. I'm kind of okay with that. But two others we saw this weekend, I'm not okay with. You try to tell me that Victor Lindelof here's arm is unnaturally making him bigger, or it's clearly away from his body. You see it live action there. Nobody's thinking about that whatsoever, but we see it in the replay, and Martin Axon goes to the screen. You're telling me that that's an unnatural position there when he's trying to run back. I I think that's really, really harsh. Yeah, and this is a very very similar one to the Lindelof. You have... Harry Winks here defending the ball. His put his putting his arm behind his back. It gets deflected off of his foot onto Darty's arm. There's no reaction time there. Again, I think it's a, I think it's accidental and I think it's harsh. That's where the issue comes in for me, and we'll talk about it again and again. Mm. But the deflections and the reaction time, for me, looking at those penalties, they they're not clear. They're obvious that they hit they hit the yeah. hand, but they're not clear in yeah. terms of hand away from body and reaction time, I think there needs to be more uh, leniency with referees. Do you have time to move reaction time? How will that play a part? And what is natural? What is natural for a player to do? Yeah. Listen, all I know is those last two there, that's not fair. That's not fair Mm -hmm. for the defending player, for his team to to have the the opponents to have a a penalty, a free shot from 12 yards. Mm -hmm. Doherty is not thinking about the ball. You know, it is away from his body. I I just think, you know, the, the officials at the end of the season, come on. That's not fair, those two, in my opinion, that, that, that they get penalised like that. So they're trying to take away the subjectivity yeah. by saying, listen, if it's away from your body, and you see Harry Winks there, but do we want players defending and, and, and running around like that? Because that's what you're going to see. Trying to take away subjectivity is also what they're trying to do with what is the arm and where does that line delineate? And so here's how the arm is, is defined. You're looking at new guidance here. Uh, so for the purposes of determining that handball offense, the boundary between the shoulder and the arm now defined as the bottom of the armpit. And so, Robbie, I mean, letter of the law, is that an improvement? Yep, I, I don't mind this at all. The, 
The only thing is, it's, it's kind of difficult to, in live time and even in replay with the, the officials to try and see which which part of the arm, shoulder that the, the ball hits. I mean, here this is Gabriel from Arsenal and he's leaning in. It would be a handball. His arm is away from his body, but the uh, the referee officials in this one said it's high. It's on, on the shoulder part, which I think that angle kind of illustrates it more. It's just difficult, Tim, sometimes to see where it does strike. Yeah, another, another example of, of that is Burnley and Chris Wood takes off his chest on a deflection, then hits his arm just around where the patch is. These are all I'm okay with. This hits high up on the arm, right there, on the patch. For me, that's not a handball, and by the letter of the law, they're telling us it isn't. So so those make sense for me. Yeah. As in regards to the, the diagram and where, where the arm is supposed to start and hits the patch, I'm okay with that because yeah. those are flighted balls. Where I'm having a big issue is with the deflections because... Those are very simple. Those are very clear-cut. Gabrielle, Chris Wood, we get it. Ball's in flight a long time, hits your arm above the patch. These deflections, for me, making it very difficult. We try to take the subjectivity out, but sometimes that's actually good because you want common sense to take over. So would you make specific changes to the guidance, to, to the way it's written? You know, you know, it's funny, Ahmed, because, like, well, certainly when I was playing, even before Tim's time, it was kind of simple. Was that deliberate or not deliberate? Right. And that's what they're trying to move away from. Okay, but realize that there will be situations like those two we saw there where, yeah, okay, it's away from his body, but there's no intent there. That's no. not fair That's to, right. be a, to be penalized in the game. Like, well, really? A shot from 12 yards for mm -hmm. that? So, I, you know, I, we're bringing it up now because there's going to be a ton of these, yeah. Tim, isn't there, throughout the season, and we're just getting out there that this is going to be interesting to watch. Enough. Did you see enough from Villa today? Yeah, just about, just about. I mean, it was difficult. Sheffield United defended very, very well. Just two goals, two shots on target they conceded through the game. So they did well in open play. They'll be hugely disappointed that they, they give up the goal from a set piece. Um, Villa looked a little bit brighter. It's not easy, Tim, is it? Against two banks of four, very deep. It, it, you feel like you should get around the outside and over the top, but there's not much space there. Villa will take that, a set piece goal from the centre-back, three points. Yeah, yeah. Sheffield United has to be disappointed. Mm. Have to be disappointed. They've done enough to get something out of the game. They concede sloppily from a, from a mm. corner kick. They miss a penalty, which they should be in. It. Yeah. And I just I just worry a little bit about the morale around the place. Three losses in a week. Uh, and no one's in the cup. And he changes team, which in the end of the season I don't think is a big deal. A, a team like that doesn't need a long cup run with all the injuries. But there's a feel good factor, right? You get that, that needs to creep into the club. And when you start a game against Wolves inside six minutes, conceding two goals, then you get a red card. That's not the way to win football matches. Such a long season for Sheffield United. Uh, they were ninth last yeah. year. I, I, I'm personally not, not worried that okay. they're going to have a bit of a disaster of a season. I just don't. I think there's enough characters mm -hmm. there, sure. Tim. I think the manager's spirited enough and, and will fight enough to get out of this, this poor start. And again, in open play, they weren't bad tonight, just sure. a set piece to let them down. Nathan, they made a fight of it in the end, didn't they, Wolves? But was that just the start that you and Man City were looking for? Yes, of course. Um, we wanted to start strong, I think. Uh, new season. Obviously, uh, Wolves is, is a tough place to come to, so uh, we're very happy with, uh, with the three points. You look difficult to live with as a team in the first half. How much was that part of the thinking in the dressing room beforehand? 
Uh, yeah, we just try to try to play with the ball, um, try to keep the ball, make it them difficult. Uh, I think uh, we scored early, and that was that was a bonus for us. Uh, after that, we could control the game. But obviously, the second half they they came out a little bit more, and uh, it was more difficult. Um, and then when they, when they got the goal, I think we had to stay strong and defensively good, and uh, we done that in the end. What do you feel Wolves did do differently because they were posing much more of a threat after the break? Yeah, I think uh, they pressed us a little bit higher, um, and they they uh, were a little bit more direct. I think, and they tried to get balls in the box and crosses in the box. Um, I think most of the occasions we've done with it well, but a few occasions not so well. Um, and also the goal, obviously, we're disappointed with. You yourself, you were playing on your debut in a two with John Stones at the back behind two midfielders. Is that something you've been working on a lot? Uh, yes, I think the last week in training, obviously, we didn't have too much time because uh, yeah, preseason has been a little bit all over the place. But mm. uh, now I was very happy to to be able to make my debut today, and um, yeah, I'm happy that we won. Well, well done today. Cheers. Congratulations. Cheers. So what do we think, Robbie? Did this look like a hungry, refreshed, rejuvenated Manchester City side? Yeah, I think so. I think so, particularly first half. Second half was a little difficult and, and, and different. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I, th- I just thought there was a little bit more focus defensively on the team. Now, the highlights there suggested it's not perfect yet, and it, and it wasn't. They could have scored more goals, Wolves, but it was an improvement on the last season. They lost both games, conceding five goals in two. So Wolves are a very tricky opponent for a team like City that possess so well. Um, but he will take that, given the way that some of the other big boys, Tim, have looked mm-hmm. uh, in the first week of the or the first couple of weeks now of the season. City looked okay, looked pretty strong, and they have got a ton of players to come back yeah. from injury and from virus and Mares and Laporte and Bernardo Silva and Aguero and Gundogan. So they've got a ton of options. That's a really good result for Man City. Yeah, it, you just you just mentioned the players coming back. That was they didn't stumble. They got the result they needed. It wasn't always the prettiest. A little bit more concentration on the defense, defensive side of the ball, but. Dispatch that Wolves 3-1, loads of players to come back into the team. I thought they looked good, yeah. The only thing I'd say, Raheem Sterling didn't look particularly mm. happy, didn't, wasn't at his best. Um, Phil Foden was very good. Kevin Gaborne was really, really good as well. Um, Jesus gets his goal. I mean, Sterling, I know he got a ton of goals in, in restart, just looked a little quiet and a little different. Um, Ferran Torres that came on for him later on is going to be, should keep him honest with his form in a wide position, plus all the players to come back. So that's the only player that, that doesn't quite look right. And, and I guess this natural, right? They've had international games, sure. very little training before this first game. What about leadership for this team? You know, no David Silva, you don't have Aguero for, for a mm. couple months here, maybe a few weeks. Uh, what about who's the leader of this Manchester City club? Look, Fernandinho's been named club captain. Sure. Um, obviously, that's, that's the right move. Um, they don't have a ton of really strong character leaders. Vincent companies are gone. David Silva's are gone. Um, Again, the leadership will be by committee and the, and the belief in each other and the belief in, in Pep. I don't think there's going to be one guy who, who stands out above the rest, but Fernandinho is as honest as a day is long, and he'll certainly carry, you know, he'll, he'll wear that armband well. Yeah, what about Wolves, uh, their side of it? Because on the one hand, here's Manchester City, who you beat twice last year. On the other hand, that was a pretty good showing in the beginning of the second half for them. Yeah, it's, City is always... Incredibly difficult game for any side. And, and and Wolves just disappointed me a little bit in the first half. Expected a little bit more. They couldn't put three or four passes together to enable the balls in behind for some of those forwards. Um, that's where they lost it for me a little bit. Much better in the second half. But then you're chasing the game. You've got to do something to, to improve things. Um, we're going to see more of Fabio Silva, the young kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pudence looked lively. Raul sure. Jimenez missed early chances but scores a great header. They're still going to be up and around the top parts of the division. 
that's something they'll take on the chin and, and they'll bounce back. They're a good team. Early in the season, finding their way. Every club yeah. is finding their <laughs> way. Nuno, I'm sure, has some uh, positives and negatives. We'll see it from him right after the match. Nuno, commiserations. How did you see it tonight? He knew it was going to be tough, but uh, the first half we didn't we didn't start very well. Uh, Man City moved the ball very well and created a lot of problems for us to to recover the ball. Uh, but uh, even in the first half we had a good moment, a good spell that we had possession that we we managed and and we can see the penalty. From there on, um, things become harder. Uh, much improved in the second half. Much improved. I think we. We find um, the right way to press, to, to recover the ball, and you created, we created a lot of, of good moments, that chances that we could um, score, and we knew that one goal could change everything. Um, and that was what, what was the belief on the second half. So, very good second half for the for of the team. Do you feel, looking back, that you could have done more, better as a team in the first half, or do you have to give credit to City for the way they started this game? We always have to give credit to our opponent because of the talent and the quality they have. But we should do better, uh, especially defensively, uh, the way we, we, the penalty, mm, second goal. Um, but even in the second half, we should uh, improve a lot of things. And a lot of things is the, the final touch, the clinical moment that we had, the chances that we create with. We must be clinical, so a lot of things to improve. Looking back, it was a poor penalty, wasn't it, to concede from your point of view? Yes, I didn't see yes the image, but I, I think it's clear that uh, the approach should be different. In the second half, as a team, you were much more of a threat. What did you change at half-time to try and affect this game? We changed, we changed. We tried to, to adapt, um, uh, and I think we, we block City possession through the middle with, uh, with Pedro and Daniel um, inside of the pitch. Um, and we were able to press and recover the balls, and every time we, we pressed the ball, we had a clear clear moment to, to accelerate the game. Um, so we had a lot of things to, to that we changed and work out. Too bad they didn't didn't, didn't uh, finish with a different different um, end the game. You always speak about looking to make progress, don't you? What do you take from this game, this 90 minutes tonight against this team, to help you make progress? Do you feel exactly exactly what we saw and the the, um, the good things that that we did. The result cannot cannot stop us from from going this direction. We want to to improve our game and. I take positives, but at the same time, to play good and perform well, we must defend better. I understand that you're close to making another signing in Nelson Semedo. Can you give us an update on that situation and how important it is that you do strengthen further in these remaining two weeks? It is important that we, we strengthen and we balance the squad regarding the, the players that are not signed. I'm sorry, but I cannot uh, say too much things until things are, are totally clear. But you feel there's more work to do in terms of strengthening before October the 5th? Definitely, yes, definitely, yes. We must, we must, we must balance the squad. We saw today we had problems. Uh, we had a solution, but we need more more solutions that always make us competitive in the game. Appreciate you, Tom. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.